Hello and welcome to Against the Wall. I'm Jason Walls and thank you very much for joining me this week. Well, there's lots on the menu for the program today. In the markets, we'll be talking about the Vodafone and Sky potential merge. Then we'll be looking at the currency market with NZ Forex head of corporate FX, Alex Hill. Andrew Patterson joins me in looking at the biggest macroeconomic stories of the week. And finally, we'll be looking at the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's official cash rate decision this week and what that means for everyone else. But first, let's have a look to the markets. Now, no surprise for guessing the big news this week on the NZ market. And of course, that is the Sky and Vodafone potential merge. That's right. There's another merger on the cards. And this follows the proposed joining of Fairfax Media and NZME, which was announced to be in the pipeline a few weeks ago. Now, it's all a little bit kind of messy how the Sky-Vodafone merger came about. And it started with the Herald quoting Sky chief executive as saying Vodafone was actually too big for Sky after there'd been questions raised about Sky merging with Vodafone earlier on. But Mr. Phillip later distanced himself from the comments that he made. Then, a couple of hours later, Sky put a trading halt on their shares and later confirmed the merger was a potential go-ahead, saying on the NZX the share trading halt was put in place following, quote, recent media speculation. Now, it's worth noting that the NBR had been talking about this potential merger months ago. So Sky has been in dire straits lately as it's tried to compete with the likes of Netflix and other online players. And as a result, they've shed a lot of subscribers in the process. Now, at the moment, Sky has roughly 860,000 customers, and that compares with Vodafone's 2.4 million customer connections. Now, shares for Sky were down 23.5 for the year before the halt, but they jumped just after the merger was announced to be on the cards. And at the same time, Vodafone's biggest rival, Sparks, shares were down slightly after the announcement as well. Now, it's going to be a tough road ahead, but Sky and Vodafone don't see any issues with getting clearance from the Commerce Commission, usually referred to as the ComCom, and it's basically the government's arm which regulates companies and gives green lights to mergers such as these. Now, as I mentioned before, it's currently reviewing NZME and Fairfax, and it also gave the nod to Z Energy acquiring Caltex not too long ago. Now, the Sky TV chairman has said that both companies are quite confident that there's no no overlapping skill sets what they have to offer, with Vodafone chief executive Russell Stannis saying the combined company would also help to continue to offer some competition to TV services such as Netflix. So this is going to be quite an interesting one to watch. Now, Alex Hill joins me, and we're talking about how the New Zealand dollar reacted to the Reserve Bank keeping rates on hold this week. Now, we're going to be going into a little bit more detail about that decision later in the show, but for now, here is Alex Hill. Alex, were you surprised at Mr. Wheeler's call this morning? I don't think the market was surprised. Probability of a, of them holding was around about 65% going into that. I thought it was an opportunity potentially for them to catch the market on the hop, like the RBA did six odd weeks ago, and to see a real drive lower in the currency. But look, they've done what the market expected. There seemed to be a lack of jawboning in the statement. And in fact, afterwards, the Kiwi dollar jumped almost a cent within the first 10 minutes. Yeah, that's right. It was a big move. I mean, highly anticipated numbers. You're going to see these these big moves in currency. I mean, you know, talking about the Kiwi moving a cent in a day might surprise, or, or in five minutes might surprise us sort of in, in recent times. But realistically, that used to be the norm. Got up to 71 cents, and, and now we're seeing it drift off. Okay, as I speak to you, it's around 70, 75. And what did you think of Mr. Wheeler's outlook for the future going forward? Is there anything that you picked up on that? 
I think it was fairly balanced. I mean, again, we used to these relatively conservative statements and repeated the fact that further policy easing may be required. So there is a chance to see another rate cut. Talked about the New Zealand dollar being higher than appropriate. So fairly sort of standard stuff from them, what we've come to expect. What is interesting is that the market anticipation for a rate cut in August, previously before the announcement, was about 60% chance of a rate cut in August. That's dropped now to 40%. So the market has taken it as less a chance to see an immediate rate cut, which is interesting. That'll obviously change as we see further data come out in the coming months. So the market is essentially looking at it and saying, hang on a second, this 2.25% could be the bottom? Well, it is. This still pricing another another rate cut sort of by the beginning of next year but certainly the short term chance of seeing another rate cut has pushed out but again what it's going to do really now is make the New Zealand dollar quite sensitive to key inflationary figures that we see now so CPI numbers retail sales numbers that'll be very closely watched and expect the Kiwi to move a little bit more than usual around those as everybody tries to, to guess what the RBNZ's next move is going to be. I'm now joined by Andrew Patterson and we're talking about the biggest macroeconomic stories of the week. On the eve of another U.S. rate hike, there has been some weaker data this week out of the U.S. That's right, and that comes in the form of the U.S. job numbers. Now, that number was supposed to be an added about 160,000 jobs in May, and it actually got fewer than 40,000. So there's a huge difference here, and it's missed that number by a long shot. And in fact, this was actually the smallest gain since September of 2010. So it's a massive miss. The U.S. economy hasn't seen this for a while. It is fairly erratic, this data, though, doesn't it? It moves around quite a bit. Yeah, and a lot of it will be seasonal and things like that. So it's just it's something that a lot of people call it a blimp, a little bit of an anomaly. And it's actually quite interesting to note that U.S. unemployment is still quite low and it's still hovering around that 5% mark, that magic number that the U.S. love to talk about so much, the policymakers over there. So it's still really, I mean, it's not a huge deal, is what I'm trying to say. And that's really... It's a sort of rhetoric and commentary that's really been coming out of the US. The fact that these job numbers, they were quite bad in the fact looking at them in isolation. But in the long term, look, US unemployment is actually relatively low. In fact, the Cleveland Federal Reserve President Loretta Mesta came out this week and said that she didn't actually think that this would have any bearing on the conversations around interest rate hikes next week. In fact, she said the unemployment number has not changed my fundamental outlook and she has a vote on what happens with the rates. So as I said, that rate hike decision comes next week. And Janet Yellen actually came out and said in a speech that the numbers were concerning, but don't put too much significance on this one number. But from what the market is anticipating, which is quite interesting, it seems like the market suggested that the rate hike in June is off the table because after her comments, share prices went up because obviously that's good news for them if rates stay low. Yeah. The issue around the numbers, particularly unemployment, of course, are the number of people who have given up looking for jobs too, isn't it? The it's participation rate. The, 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 the hidden unemployment rate, as it's often called. And that's something that often gets overlooked, the fact that the US actually has one of the worst participation rates in the Western world. And you'll see politicians that love to dress this up and say, no, unemployment's going so well. But if you look at the job numbers, compare them now to, say, for example, before the global financial crisis, and you look Look at that participation figure. They're at caverns apart. Now, Yellen's comments weren't the only things pushing shares up. Uh, we we have seen oil prices climbing again. We've got this interesting correlation happening at the moment, isn't it, between oil and the markets. When oil goes up, the markets go up. Yeah, it's all completely linked. We saw the oil prices, they dipped a little at the end of last week, but Brent crude oil is actually sitting at $50 a 
a barrel. Now, you'll remember it was only really a few months ago that oil prices had plummeted to below $30 a barrel, which was so, so cheap that it was just, it's the whole supply and demand story. Still in the case that that's happening. However, a lot more speculation bringing that up as well. So the low jobs numbers actually did play a role in this because what happened was the low jobs numbers, they dampened the expectations for a rate hike as we talked about. And what that did is it pushed the US dollar down. And when the US dollar is down, what that does is it has a bearing on the oil price because cheap, um, the weaker dollar makes oil cheaper for holders of our other currencies. So this is actually what we're seeing is Brent prices are now on track for its eighth weekly gain. So it's quite a bull run for oil, which is nice to hear after the bearish slide that it had for so long. And the higher prices were also helped along by the fact that there was signs that the U.S. shale output was falling as well. However, analysts are still warning that there are still big reserves out there in many countries. So keep an eye on this one. Now this week, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand kept the official cash rate on hold, which meant they decided not to reduce it. And that was what I was talking with Alex Hill about before. So the official cash rate basically is the rate of interest a central bank, in New Zealand's case, the Reserve Bank, charges on overnight loans to commercial banks, such as Westpac and BNZ. The OCR is set by the Reserve Bank of New Zealand based on a number of things. And one of them is it's a way that a central bank can help control an economy. For example, if the official cash rate is set higher, it tends to mean the central bank is kind of putting the brakes on an economy as it's overheating or lowering the OCR if growth isn't quite high enough. You might hear the phrase, a lower OCR is stimulating the economy. And what that means is by it reduces the amount of interest a commercial bank has to pay to a central bank, it means the commercial bank will in turn put their interest rates down as well. So lower interest rates encourage people to borrow more money. And so with the borrowed money comes more spending and with more spending comes more economic growth. So right now the official cash rate is sitting at 2.25% which is actually a record low for New Zealand. Now despite being a record low for New Zealand it stands out as one of the highest OCRs in the developed world right now. So this is what the Reserve Bank Governor Graham Wheeler said after he made the decision not to cut this week. The Reserve Bank today uh, left the OCR unchanged at 2.25%. Global financial market volatility has abated and the outlook for global growth appears to have stabilised. There has been a modest recovery in commodity prices in recent months. However, the global economy remains weak. So you might be thinking an announcement that essentially nothing happened wouldn't really be big news. Well, you couldn't really be more wrong because this meeting was quite interesting because economists were quite divided over what was going to happen. Now, some were saying that the Reserve Bank was going to cut the official cash rate to about 2%. Others say it was going to hold at 2.25%. Now, flashback a couple of months ago, and most people were thinking that a June cut was almost a certainty, and basically the market was pricing that in at 83%. But as it got closer and closer to the time of the June 10 meeting, more people started changing their mind. Now, although the New Zealand economy is performing quite well, so basically around about 25 to 3% growth over the next few years, interest rates are still low and they look to be getting lower as well. The Reserve Bank still has an easing bias, which means it explicitly states that it will be looking to lower the official cash rate again. Now, this kind of goes against the point of what an OCR is to a degree, because when economic growth 
growth is not firing, the central bank tends to reduce interest rates. And that's not really what we're seeing here. Now, one of the main reasons why the Reserve Bank continues to lower the OCR is because of inflation. Now, I'm going to let Mr. Wheeler tell you all about that right now. Headline inflation is low, mainly due to low fuel and other import prices, and long-term inflation expectations are well anchored at 2%. After falling in recent quarters, short-term inflation expectations appear to have stabilised. We expect inflation to strengthen, reflecting the accommodative stance of monetary policy, increases in fuel and other commodity prices, an expected depreciation in the New Zealand dollar, and some increase in capacity pressures. So as he says, inflation in New Zealand is low, and what's more, it's expected to stay low as well. Although those expected inflation numbers did come up a little bit when compared to the first quarter, it's still low. So inflation, to put it simply, is too much money chasing not enough goods, and basically it means the level of which prices are increasing. So in New Zealand, it's experiencing the opposite of all that, and that's not just in New Zealand, that's the rest of the world as well. In the EU, in Japan, in the US, and a lot of countries in the world. They're looking at the same problem as New Zealand, basically no inflation. And so this is an issue for the Reserve Bank because it's their job to keep inflation under control. And they have a policy agreement with the government, which means that they have a mandate to keep inflation between 1% and 3% with a goal of 2 So right now, annual inflation is tracking along at 0.4%. So they are way off in this target. However, they do argue that they see this coming back in the future. It has been really low for quite a while now. So lowering the OCR is one way of bringing back inflation. However, that hasn't really been working for the Reserve Bank, as it has been on an easing cycle for about a year now when it had the OCR at 3.5%. Now, the other big issue the Reserve Bank has found itself in is to do with housing. Here's Mr. Wheeler again explaining that. House price inflation in Auckland and other regions is adding to financial stability concerns. Auckland house prices in particular are at very high levels and additional housing supply is needed. Now, it's worth noting that the Reserve Bank's job is not to control house prices. However, it does have a mandate to control financial stability. And house prices rising as fast as they have been is a concern for financial stability. So lowering interest rates only makes this problem worse, as it's cheaper for people to borrow money. As it's cheaper for people to borrow money, they'll do more of that. So that's increasing this problem of housing demand. So the RBNZ is really stuck between a rock and a hard place here. On the one hand, they hope to bring some inflation forward by lowering the official cash rate. But if they do that, that's further going to stoke the housing market. So I'm pretty glad that I'm not in their shoes. All right, well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you very much for joining me. And remember, you can follow me on SoundCloud or on Twitter. I'm JasonWalls92. Let's have a quick look at what's happening next week. Of course, we have the global dairy trade auction. We got Aussie employment numbers, GDP, so how much our economy has grown. And then it's the big one, what the US is going to be doing with its interest rate and we'll all be watching that one with bated breath but thank you very much for joining me this has been against the wall with jason walls